You're listening to a Toronto Centre podcast. Welcome. The goal of TC Podcasts is to spread the knowledge and accumulated experience of global leaders, experts, and world-renowned specialists in financial supervision and regulation. In each episode, we'll delve into some of today's most pressing issues as it relates to financial supervision and regulation. The financial crisis, climate change, financial inclusion, fintech, and much more. Enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to TC Podcasts on the Go. I'm Anatole Manid, a Senior Director with the Toronto Centre. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Mr. Ron Morrow. This interview was inspired by our January 2023 Toronto Centre Note and accompanying podcast examining the regulation of supervision and retail payments and with the news of Ron's appointment as Executive Director Supervision at the Bank of Canada, effective January 3, 2023. In this role, Ron is responsible for supervision of retail payment service providers and the oversight of financial market infrastructures. I will let Ron better introduce himself and talk about the Bank of Canada and the payment supervision in a moment. His profile is also available at our website. Our conversation will focus on the introduction of retail payment supervision framework in Canada. The safe and efficient movement of funds is essential to the health and strength of any national economy. Evolving technologies permit retail payment activities in new and increasingly complex ways by a larger variety of payment service providers, such as card networks, payment processors, and digital wallets, commonly referred to as non-bank players, including fintech and big tech. A lack of requirements and supervision increases risks to consumers and businesses, such as the risk of financial loss and in instances of business insolvency and threats to the security of sensitive personal financial information. What can emerging market and developing economy countries learn from Canada's recent introduction of payment supervision? Welcome, Mr. Morrow, Ron, and thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks, Anatole. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks very much for the invitation. And can you tell us a little bit about your role and uh, the work at the Bank of Canada? Sure. Uh, my role is to oversee the bank's supervisory responsibilities. So that includes the, our new mandate for uh, overseeing uh, payment service providers, as well as an existing mandate for the supervision of financial market infrastructures. So why don't I, I, I talk to you a little bit about, uh, about this new mandate? Thank you. So this new mandate came to the bank a couple of years ago. So the Retail Payments Activities Act, or RPAA, was uh, was passed in uh, in the summer of 2021, and it gives the bank responsibility for supervising payment service providers. You've touched a little bit on who those entities are. I'll come back to the that in a second, but let me say a few words about the motivation behind this mandate. Why exactly are we have we been tasked with it? Well, the fact of the matter is. Uh, Every day, uh, millions of Canadians place their trust in PSPs. Whenever they tap their card on a payment terminal or make an online purchase, uh, perhaps unbeknownst to Canadians, there's at least one and more often several payment service providers who are involved in getting the payment from the consumer to the merchant. And our job is to make sure that that trust is well-placed, that Canadians can be confident that any funds they're holding with a PSP are, are going to be protected and that uh, risks are being managed. So 
who are these entities? Well, you touched on them, uh, payment processors, digital wallets, payments technology companies. The, we have a, an advisory committee we've set up of payment service providers. And if you look at that list, you'll see some of the household names when it comes to payments. You'll, you'll you know, PayPal, uh, Western Union, Visa, MasterCard. The, but uh, you'll probably see a whole bunch of names that you don't recognize. Um, and that reflects the fact that there are uh, many thousands of very small payment service providers who play a, a niche role in, uh, in the payments ecosystem. Uh, these can be you know, two and three person fintech companies. So, so it's a pretty uh, broad mandate in terms of the range of entities that we oversee. Our, our current count is that there are probably 2,500 of these companies operating within Canada. So we've been working hard on, on this new mandate. Uh, we have the legislation. Uh, regulations are being finalized right now, hopefully finalized by the fall. A supervisory guidance to follow. We'll start registering PSPs in 2024. We'll start to formally supervise them in 2025. Great. Thanks for that uh, lay of the land. And, and maybe we'll have an opportunity to reconnect in 2025 when uh, all of that hard work is, is done. From a constitutional perspective, Canada has a, a complex financial services regulatory and supervisory structure. So perhaps some context for our, our listeners. Given the mandate you've described under the Retail Payments Activities Act, uh, who else uh, does the bank work with amongst the many other financial services supervisors and regulators, as well as uh, non-bank players? Uh, so you're absolutely right, Anatole. There's a there's a wide variety of people that uh, we engage with uh, as we're we've been putting this mandate together. I mean, there are a few very important federal partners we have been uh, working with. Obviously, the Department of Finance is they're ultimately responsible for the legislation, the regulations that underlie this this new mandate we've been given. We've been working very closely with uh, FinTrack, uh, who's Canada's uh, anti-money laundering and anti-terrorist financing. Uh, organization. Uh, there, there's some information sharing aspects of the of this new mandate between ourselves and and FinTrack. So we've been working closely with them. We've also been reaching out internationally to our counterparts in other countries. There are a number of other jurisdictions that have some well-established uh, supervisory regimes for payment service providers. The EU and the UK are two examples of those uh, types of regimes. So we've reached out to them and had some very helpful, them and others, to have some very helpful conversations. First, understanding why they've set up their regimes the way they have, but also for us to get a sense of what you know norms have, uh, have arisen when it comes to supervising payment service providers so that we can ensure that those same norms are incorporated into our regime, you know, providing they make sense for Canada and in almost all cases uh, they do. Within Canada, there is a, Canada's a, a federation and it's a regulation is a shared responsibility uh, amongst the federal government and provinces across a variety of areas. So we've worked uh, very closely with the provinces to ensure that they understand, you know, what our regime is and what it isn't and, you know, what our responsibilities are. So uh, we, we have three main responsibilities. Uh, it's to maintain a registry of payment service providers, to ensure that funds are adequately safeguarded, operational risks are well managed. The regime is not at all about things, 
you know, a broader array of consumer protection issues, which is an example of something that is a responsibility of provincial jurisdiction, not federal jurisdiction. Uh, so it's a big cast of characters, but touch on wood so far, it's been, there've been some very constructive conversations uh, with everyone along the way. Uh, on the non-regulatory player side, I've heard of an organization called Payments Canada. What uh, relationship does, uh, does your agency have with them? So Payments Canada is, uh, is a, an organization that was created by Parliament to, uh, to run the, the core payments infrastructure here within Canada. So they operate the, the large value payment system, which functions uh, in Canada that allows financial institutions to move money back and forth. They all, and they operate uh, a, a number of other payment systems and are in the process of developing a, a real-time payment system, uh, also otherwise known as a faster payment system, which is something that uh, exists in many other jurisdictions, and we're just uh, building one in Canada right now. So our relationship with them as the uh, supervisor for, for financial market infrastructures, we oversee a number of the systems that Payments Canada operates. We also uh, will have a, a future relationship uh, with them as part of our new mandate, uh, because Entities that are overseen by the Bank of Canada will be eligible to participate directly in the payment system. So non-banks, right now it's it's strictly financial institutions that operate within the payments directly in the payment system in Canada. With the advent of this new regime, uh, non-banks, uh, so uh, PayPal or others, would be able to apply to become direct members in the, in the payment system allow them to interact directly with their clients without having to go through a bank or other financial institution. Thanks. Uh, the scope of the regulation and, and supervision you described really covers the retail payment systems. So how have you uh, set supervisory priorities uh, to address user safety and security and operational resilience while uh, keeping a system efficient? Uh, so, as I noted, we're, there are kind of three major legs to the regime, uh, maintaining a registry, operation risk, and, and safeguarding end-user funds. There's some pretty comprehensive requirements we've established through the regulations. And in terms of maintaining efficiency, one of the big things we've done is uh, uh, engage, engage with the industry. So. Uh, we're, you know, we're many things, but we're not perfect. We recognize that as we develop this regime, there are some things that we'll get right and some things that might need to uh, get tweaked. So it's been a lot of dialogue uh, with the industry. We've set up an advisory committee. We, we work with industry associations and others to get their feedback on what we're doing and to ensure that it's as efficient as it can be. On the one hand, we want to ensure that end users are adequately protected. On the other hand, we don't want to overly burden the industry. So we have received a lot of uh, feedback on the regulations, uh, specifically in the area of burden. Uh, uh, payment service providers felt that there are a number of areas where the regulations were configured in a way that it were, they, they weren't efficient, they, they were potentially overly burdensome. So we've, we've heard that feedback and are working with the uh, industry or are working with our colleagues at the Department of Finance to see where those can be uh, tweaked. In addition, in, in the pursuit of efficiency, we're gonna be taking a, a risk-based approach to our, our supervision. Uh, what that means is the level of supervisory attention and the supervisory actions we take are really gonna be guided by the risk uh, that each PSP brings to consumers in the payments ecosystem. 
if, for example, you are a large multinational, multi-billion dollar payment service provider, you probably already have a very thick board approved risk binder that outlines all the risks you face as an organization and all the things you're doing to manage them. That's great. That will go a long way towards demonstrating your compliance with the regime. If, on the other hand, you're a small PSP, maybe a founder and a couple of employees, you may not even have a board of directors, never mind a board approved risk binder. Really, all we're going to be looking to from them is uh, uh, they're going to have to, you know, have a little framework in place, write down what, what they see as the major risks they face and how they're managing them. So in that way, we're going to try to you know, be as efficient as possible and, and try not to ensure that the uh, we're not overly burdening PSPs. It's, it's not a one size fits all approach. It's one in which we, we want to you know, tailor people's ability to demonstrate compliance based on the nature of their uh, nature of their organization. So it sounds like you, you uh, indicated earlier that there are about 2,500 entities that you're going to be supervising. So uh, taking a risk-based approach is, uh, is prudent. Uh, and it sounds like you're considering proportionality in your uh, uh, supervision as well. Absolutely. Great. So while um, financial inclusion in Canada is quite high, moving on to something else, have you considered if there are any barriers to access and inclusion to the payment system that some Canadians may face? Absolutely. I, I mean, Canada's made some pretty good strides when it comes to financial inclusion, but it's really important for us not to be complacent. Uh, new fintech companies and new innovations in this payment space can be effective at bringing, uh, improving financial inclusion and pe bringing people into uh, the financial system more broadly. So as that's happening, we want to make sure our regime doesn't pose any undue barriers to that innovation. We don't want to inhibit further progress that can be made uh, in areas like financial inclusion. But on the other hand, we, you know, this is all about ensuring that there's, uh, you know, if I can coin the term, you know, responsible innovation, that's kind of what we're focused on, making sure that while these innovations and new apps and new technologies make their way to uh, individuals uh, within Canada, that it's done in a way that, you know, adequately protects the, uh, the interests of end users in a manner that's consistent with our mandate. So I like that term responsible innovation and it, uh, it dovetails nicely with my next question. I, I read that the Bank of Canada says that consumers and businesses benefit from innovation in a payment system when the right precautions are in place. So does the Bank of Canada have an approach to innovation? Uh, it sounds like you have an approach to innovation, uh, but do you have an innovation hub uh, that can help with uh, different ideations to take place or a regulatory sandbox where startups and fintechs can get support or guidance before going live within the system? So I, I wouldn't say we have a, a sandbox per se in, in, the, in the classic uh, sense. Uh, what we do have is a lot of ongoing engagement with the industry. We have a wealth of information that we're, we're providing to PSPs. Uh, you know, we have a, a lot of engagement at conferences and gathering of fintechs as we, uh, A, make them aware of the mandate, but B, make them aware of what their responsibilities are going to be uh, under this mandate. So it, it doesn't involve a lot of consultation with the industry. As I said, we're, we're very open to the idea that we haven't gotten things perfect from the outset, uh, we need to be able to responsive to uh, uh, 
to uh, thoughts from fintechs in terms of the you know the the level of burden of our uh, our regime and whether or not there's a more efficient way uh, for us to be to be uh, doing it. Um, it is a, a kind of a registration regime. There's a single bar. All PSPs need to meet a minimum standard, uh, whether they're large or small. But we will be, uh, as I noted earlier, kind of taking a risk-based approach to ensure that the try to try to manage the level of compliance burden uh, on uh, on smaller players. Okay, thanks. Uh, maybe we can turn from uh, payment players to the um, your work under the. Payment Clearing and Settlement Act, and uh, I understand that the bank is responsible for the oversight of financial market infrastructures continuing, that FMIs uh, play a significant role in enhancing financial stability by enabling consumers and firms to safely and efficiently purchase goods and services, make financial investments, and transfer funds. So how do your supervisory principles and practices uh, differ uh, from payment uh, uh, systems, counter uh, central counterparties, and uh, securities settlement systems? That's a good question. So FMIs are, are fundamentally different uh, than payment service providers. That's because they're, they're really at the core of a financial system. So it's, it, you know, what are FMIs? So they're large value payment systems that allow people to, institutions to move money back and forth and ultimately their customers as well. There's central securities repositories and security settlement systems that allow for the trading of bonds and equities within a, a financial system. So they're super critical. The, the financial system doesn't function unless these systems are up and functioning. If there's a problem there, this, this is a problem for the financial system and for the economy as a whole. So as a result, there's a pretty high bar, a pretty high standard that FMIs are held to, to ensure that they're robust to a, a broad uh, range of potential risks. Our you know, approach to supervision of FMIs really leverages off of the something called the Principles for Financial Market Infrastructures, which were developed by the, the Committee on Payments and Market Infrastructures, uh, which is uh, part of the, the BIS. So they, they developed 24 principles to guide the supervision of, uh, of FMIs. And we've adopted those, and and they range from you know uh, core underlying elements like you know is there a strong legal basis both for the FMI and for the supervision, is there you know strong governance that you know, focuses on the public interest aspect of the FMIs within the FMIs themselves, but it also gets at the more typical types of risks uh, that uh, you'd be concerned with. You know, are credit risks uh, adequately controlled? Are liquidity risks adequately managed? Are operational risks uh, dealt with in a, in a reasonable way? So uh, while there's some overlap with what we do here, with what we're doing with payment service providers, it is generally, I would say, a, a much higher bar and a much higher level of resilience that we're looking for in, in FMIs. PSPs, on the other hand, it's a much narrower scope of uh, oversight, really it's only about uh, managing some risks or making sure that some risks uh, are managed, operational risk. Uh, we don't focus on, on credit or liquidity risk when it comes to overseeing payment service providers explicitly. And, and that's really how the, how the two approaches differ. So it's great to hear that Canada has adopted international standards. That's good to hear. And and you talked about potential risks and, and maybe I'll pop a question here on do you treat cyber risk uh, differently when you consider financial market infrastructure? Anything you'd like to share with the audience on that? 
Sure. So when it comes to FMIs, we're really looking to make sure that they're uh, extremely robust to a broad array of cyber risks. We want to make sure that there's adequate safeguards and backups in place. So in the event there's a cyber attack, that there's a, a resilient uh, you know, second site or a second set of systems that they can activate. So because our focus is really on making sure that those systems are up and running every day without fail. Our oversight of PSPs is going to be at a much lower level of, there'll be a kind of a, a lower bar of focus there. We'll want to make sure that they have a plan for dealing, for addressing cybersecurity. They should have some sort of business continuity planning. Uh, we're, you know, with FMIs, the plan has to ensure that they're up and running within two hours of a disruption. For PSPs, it, they, we're not going to have a minimum standard. They just have to have a plan. Uh, and be able to execute, be able to execute on it. So uh, there are similarities, but the biggest difference between the two is uh, focus on a much, much, much higher level of resilience for FMIs. Great, thanks for that. So you've been generous with your time and, and very forthright with your answers. As we close, given your experience, uh, what advice do you have for other central bankers, regulators, and supervisors in preparing to supervise a jurisdiction's payment system? I, I think the advice I'd have is this is a, a fast moving area. The, the payment industry has changed a lot over the past four or five years as technological innovation has taken place. And it's really, really important for, uh, for supervisors to, to try to stay on top of the, the latest advancements in technology, security and regulations to understand, you know, the extent to which those advancements can pose potential risks that, you know, may need to be addressed through supervision. But it's also important that uh, supervisors not, uh, not go off and try to do this on their own. It's really important that they uh, collaborate and work closely with, uh, with the industry and with stakeholders and be humble about it. I, I mean, we were very humble going into this mandate. We know a lot about payments, but we don't know it all. And it, it, we've learned a lot in, in engaging with the industry and understanding uh, how they work. I think it's also very important for finally for for supervisors to be uh, to be very transparent in their interactions with uh, with the industry. So as we've engaged and sought feedback, we've been very transparent in terms of the you know, publishing the documents we've consulted on, publishing summaries of what occurred in those those discussions. Because not everyone can be at the room at any given time. So. Uh, it's our way of trying to make sure the industry as a whole can see what our approach is, see what our understanding uh, is uh, of them, and see how you know we're evolving, and give them the opportunity to provide us with additional information uh, in the event they think there's something we've we've missed. So uh, that's sound advice uh, from a, an expert. Uh, so thank you, Ron. Any last words? Uh, well, what I will say is it, this has been a, a very exciting time for me personally and professionally. It's, it's not very often a central bank gets a new mandate and it's not very often you get a blank sheet of paper to, uh, to build that new mandate. So uh, I've learned a lot. It's been very rewarding to build this framework and we're, we're really, really looking forward to continuing to work with the industry, get this thing up and running, start registering PSPs next year and then you know, move on to our new day-to-day -day, day -day life of supervising. Well, we'll be watching uh, your work and progress and, and cheering you on. So thank you so much for your time. 
Toronto Centre has developed and delivered programs related to payment systems and financial inclusion that may assist your authority in supporting implementation of payment system supervision. We're happy to discuss an opportunity to develop such a program for your jurisdiction, authority, or agency. We recently launched a program on deposit insurance for supervisor, so make sure you sign up for our newsletters and alerts to see what else is in store. Toronto Centre has trained more than 20,000 supervisors since its founding in 1998, and this work is generally uh, generously supported by Global Affairs Canada, the Swedish International Development and Cooperation Agency, and the International Monetary Fund, and our other founders. I'm here today in Toronto, Canada, speaking with Mr. Ron Morrow, Executive Director, Supervision, Bank of Canada, and you've been listening to a Toronto Centre podcast on the go. Thanks for joining us.